Hey, we've got a classic episode today. On average, people listen to this episode 103% of the way through, which means lots of people listen to it two or three or five times. We've also more than 5X'd an audience since the episode came out, so lots of you have heard us talk about wedges, but might not understand what exactly a wedge is or how to find one, and there are few things as important. This episode goes deep on wedges through bleeding neck problems, 100 character landing pages, and a wedge evaluation framework, and, of course, a story or two. Hope you enjoy, and see you next week with a new episode. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start a Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today, we're going to find you a wedge. You've almost certainly heard of the idea of a wedge, though you might not call it that. You might call it your entry point or your rollout plan or your go-to-market strategy, which if you went to B-School, you might even shorten a GTM in your pitch deck to show your all business. That joke is a bit of an inside joke, with me being the only one on the inside, I guess, because probably eight months ago, someone straight out of B-School Central Casting pitched me the whisperiest of whisper ideas, and when I asked about the go-to-market strategy, he waited a beat, then said, oh, you must mean my GTM. Then he told me it was, quote, ads, and then he leaned in close, nodded his head towards me and said, but people are going to talk. I'm sure they are. Anyway. If you haven't heard the term, a wedge is a subset of your value or something adjacent to your core value that'll be so compelling it'll persuade customers to take a chance on you. Nailing the wedge solves your biggest problem. It bridges the gap between nobody uses this thing and somebody used this thing and they liked it, which means selling that thing becomes roughly 10,000 times easier. It gets your foot in the door so you can build some trust with a customer, which will then make it easier to upsell them to your main product. Visually, the idea of a wedge makes sense. If you picture your market as a giant concrete ball, the wedge is how you'll penetrate it. You find the weak spot, put the sharp edge of the wedge against it, apply some pressure, and it breaks. You need a wedge, which again, just about everyone already knows. So why are we talking about it? Because most people stop the conversation at describing what a wedge is and why it's so important. They stop well short of actually helping you find one. And as soon as you try to find one, all sorts of questions pop up. Questions like, what's a great wedge actually look like? How do you balance and message the small value of the wedge with the big value of your eventual product? What if the value of your wedge is meaningfully different than the value you'll offer down the line? How small is too small for the initial wedge, both from a product perspective and a market perspective? Do you charge for this wedge and is it separate from your core product? How far away from the core product can the wedge really be? And what if I just don't do this? Can I still build something that works and grows? Today's podcast exists to try to tackle those questions and find you a wedge that'll work. And we'll start with a story. Maybe eight or nine years ago, I tested out an idea for a food delivery service that would get restaurants to crank out meals during their downtime. I'd then pick those meals up in bulk and deliver them to businesses, stacking them in the company fridges to offer to employees for lunch the next day. The initial idea popped into my head when my friend's restaurant went under. He talked about how unpredictable everything in the restaurant industry was. 
His food prices from suppliers and the availability of that food, customer order volume and tastes, delivery volume, staff turnover. He said running a restaurant was like skiing down a mountain blindfolded. So my business would give restaurants a predictable revenue stream, a hole in that blindfold so they had something reliable to latch onto. On the other side, I figured giving businesses quality food options to pass along to their employees for lunch could be a perk that helped with hiring or retention or general morale. At the time, I really didn't understand how companies quantified and prioritized things like that, and I guess I still don't. But I figured the meals cooked fresh from restaurants would be a middle ground between giving everyone a stipend and having a chef and cafeteria. It'd certainly be cheaper than both. And this looked like a killer potential marketplace at scale, with businesses looking for bulk lunch orders on one side and restaurants looking for predictable demand on the other. I figured I'd start by pitching the idea to businesses because if I could get them on board, restaurants would be easy. In a related note, if you ever hear yourself saying, if I get X on board, Y will be easy, you should probably dig a bit deeper. I did some customer interviews and realized that there were lots of companies that ordered in lunch for employees like once a week, usually pizza, usually on Fridays. But there was a consistent theme. These companies all aspired to offer fresh lunch daily. A cafeteria with chefs, like Google had, was the dream. I got excited. Great products help their customer jump status levels, and I saw the potential to do that. First, I tried to get businesses to sign on for a pilot, a month of meals from two local restaurants, salads and gourmet sandwiches every day. There was what I'd call polite interest, but immediate questions poked holes in basically everything. Questions like, so we just get 100 box lunches at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday? Then what? Do you put them in the fridge or do we? And do we get to order on our own or do you just bring one thing every day? What about allergies? When does this stuff come? How early do we have to commit? The questions kept on coming. One person I pitched said what everyone else was thinking. I think this is just too much. I have no idea how I'd pitch this internally or where the money would come from. I just can't see this actually working. I needed a wedge a smaller, immediate problem that'd give me a path to the bigger one, one with boundaries that were easy to see and manage. Luckily, I thought I'd picked up on one during the interviews. The only non-pizza the company would order was for sales meetings. When they pitched a new client, they'd order in sandwiches on that classic round plastic platter. Most of the time, the sandwiches weren't touched. So what about that, I thought. Could I take over catering for their next meeting? I made my pitch. It was simpler, an easy swap between the crappy sandwiches and fresh individual meals from a great restaurant nearby. It'd be a talking point. The meeting would go better with better food. And if I nailed a few sales meetings, I could try to expand to daily meals for the rest of the company. I was feeling good. This felt like a wedge. My HR contact passed along my pitch to the head of sales, who'd be running a big meeting the following week that had requested the mediocre sandwich platter. The response came back within minutes. Quote, Please don't send me pitches for your friends, businesses, or whatever the hell this is. We have a huge meeting coming up and sandwiches are quite literally the last thing that matters. The sandwiches we have are fine. No one eats them anyway. If you have any ideas on how to actually close this client, please pass those along. Well, all right. Today, we'll talk about how to find wedges that'll actually help your business break in. Wedges that matter. Wedges that'll do their job. We'll leverage a few frameworks that we use at Tacklebox bleeding neck problems, productizing the first step, and the 100-character landing page. And we'll do it all after a little smooth jazz. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job and want to test out the former before you leave the latter, come and work with us. 
apply at gettacklebox.com. Over 400 startups have tested and built ideas through our program, and those businesses are now collectively worth over a billion dollars. Our program helps you prioritize and execute, and our members and me and the team keep you accountable and give you feedback along the way. Come build with us at gettacklebox.com. Back to it. Bleeding neck problems. The head of sales didn't care about sandwiches because sandwiches didn't matter. The problem that I saw, that the sandwiches weren't as good as they could be, might have ranked as the 10,000th most important problem at the company at the time. But for me, as an entrepreneur trying to weasel my way into their business, the sandwiches at a meeting were important. Which brings us to our first big lesson about the wedge. The wedge cannot be about you. The wedge needs to be about solving an urgent, painful problem for your customer. It's always tempting to have the wedge be about you. To have the wedge is your clever way to get inside the company walls, but it won't work. It needs to be a real problem. And we've got a name for the type of problem your wedge needs to solve, a bleeding neck problem. It's Halloween week, so I thought this might be a fun one to throw out today. It came from a current Tacklebox member, and I think I've used it roughly 7,000 times since. There just isn't a better descriptor. If your neck is bleeding, you give it full attention. That is the only type of problem we want to choose as our wedge when you're trying to get a customer to make a decision, there are two variables that matter, trust and urgency. If the problem isn't particularly urgent, like my lunch startup, you'll need an enormous amount of trust. The type of trust you typically build through years of work and hundreds of positive reviews. The type of trust you're not going to have as a startup. We can't lean on trust, which means we're going to need to lean on urgency. Urgency drives most atypical decisions, and being the first customer of a brand new startup is an atypical decision for most companies. You probably believe me, but if you don't, a fun exercise is to think of the most objectively bad or atypical decisions you've made in your life, the things that were most out of character. I bet most were driven by urgency. For the fun of it, here's one of mine. I was traveling with a friend in Costa Rica a while back. Our rental car broke down 20 miles from the tiny coastal town we were staying in, and it was like 8 p.m. at night. The road was basically empty. We had no cell service. It was 2009, and we didn't speak Spanish. It was hot. We were thirsty. There were mosquitoes everywhere. So we hitchhiked. Eventually, a motorbike stopped. A smiling man told us to hop on the back, and we eagerly did. I remember the sun disappearing as the three of us flew down a bumpy road, my buddy's sweaty arms around me, my sweaty arms around our new friend, stuck together like three Legos on a bike clearly meant to hold no more than about 150 pounds. At that moment, I remember thinking not, what the hell am I doing, but thank God for this guy. And when he dropped us off, we convinced him to let us buy him a beer and then dinner. And for the next few hours, we drank and ate and laughed in broken Spanish and English. By the end of the night, I would have let this guy babysit my firstborn. I had a bleeding neck problem and he solved it. And then I trusted him. That is how these things work. That is what you're looking for. But imagine if the town had only been a mile away. Even if he'd stopped, spoken perfect English, and explained that he knew our car broke down, and he knew how to get to the place we were staying, and he'd driven our friends the week before, nope, wouldn't be worth it. I would not jump on the back of that motorbike. Urgency is the driver of action. Urgency needs to be the core of your wedge. We overrate how much action people will take when they're unmotivated and underrate how much action people take when they are. The key to your business is finding and solving a bleeding neck problem as your wedge. I'm not sure you'll get the type of momentum you need any other way. Here are a few methods to do it. 
Productize the urgent first step. Most startups we work with are looking to create what I call North Star value. I'll give you an example. One of our alums was focused on building analytics software that gave retailers, particularly retailers using Shopify, insight into their full customer journey. Most of these retailers had ads across various social platforms, SEO, retargeting, sales emails, shopping cart reminders, and about 15 other contact points with customers. As the companies grew, they added more to their top of funnel and tracking became siloed. There was no single source to track the full customer journey, so you could see that, for example, customers that saw these five Instagram ads are more likely to buy the shirt in the ad if they were then retargeted with it and send it via text message twice, or whatever. The North Star value was to become the type of company that truly lived by test and learn, a data-driven retailer. This pitch is incredibly compelling, but it had no real urgency. It was big and unwieldy and required a ton of cognitive overhead, which means it required a lot of trust, trust we didn't have, which meant it required a wedge, a bleeding neck problem, and the founder identified one. He would audit his customer's entire funnel and identify the top three interactions that lost the most customers. The founder had done interviews and learned that this task, identifying the weak spots in the flow and shoring them up, was at the top of nearly every team's to-do list. But it was so complicated to disentangle all the flows and consolidate the analytics across platforms that it got pushed back. There's often a game of ping pong between the CEO and the growth team, with the CEO asking constantly where the leaks occurred and the growth team constantly saying they were looking into it. This wedge converted customers. The cold emails said, quote, we'll identify and remove your worst performing customer interactions in a day and sales will be up and unsubscribers down within the month. We'll turn off the faucet pouring out your customers. After a month-long pilot, which was paid, they then started to upsell to their North Star product. The wedge had allowed them to build the necessary trust and had been the first step towards their full product. They already had the data and were able to show the power of their North Star vision. They were basically converting customers over to the full product during the pilot. Entrepreneurs get excited about the big vision, but the wedge is usually helping customers take the painful first step especially when that step has clear metrics that you can target and improve. The first step usually has some loss aversion in there too, helping a company recognize customers it's about to lose or sales it could have made. Understanding the big goals your customer has, then understanding the specific steps they need to take to get there, and understanding why they haven't yet taken them, often makes for a great wedge. Single out the most painful steps, the ones with clear, trackable metrics, and focus on them. A great wedge is often just productizing your customer's first step, and sometimes that actually ends up just being your entire business. Identify the pain. The next approach for finding a wedge is to go back and speak with customers. As always, I recommend ethnographic research, either literally looking over your customer's shoulder for as long as you possibly can without things getting too creepy, or asking them to walk you through their days in excruciating detail. Your job is to find the bleeding neck problems, what's painful or unnecessarily annoying, what's changed recently that might make them overhaul an ingrained system. What do they hate? Again, these problems should be clear and obvious. It should also be obvious when they're solved. Importantly, these don't have to be completely aligned with your North Star value. Loose ties can work well. During the earliest days of Tacklebox, we had a company come through that was selling point of sale software to marijuana dispensaries. Weed had just become legal in Portland, and this founder wanted to be the digital payment processing hub. 
So she visited dispensaries and pitched the North Star value, the way that they'd be able to grow and interact with their customers and get new customers, loyalty programs, all of that. But they didn't care. They were happy with their current business. They were happy just taking cash. It is a real work-to-live-not-live-to-work customer segment running dispensaries out in Portland, and it showed we needed a wedge. So she hung out in the stores for a few days. Quickly, she realized a practice the owner did every morning and evening. They would weigh out all the inventory in the store and submit it to the government's website. It was new with legalization, and it drove dispensary owners bonkers. They hated it. It was tedious and frustrating. So she solved it. She hired college students to go to the dispensaries in the morning and evening and weigh everything for the owners. This was free if they adopted the POS system, which would make it easier to submit to the government anyway. This got the iPad into the store, then trust was built, and the service and the apps available to dispensary owners expanded. Now, they run their entire businesses through those iPads that only made their way into the stores because of the bleeding neck problem. Ideally, the problem you're solving sequences smoothly into the North Star problem you started the business to tackle. It's either the first step, like the analytics company, or get some infrastructure embedded, like the iPad in the dispensary. A wedge needs to build some momentum into the North Star problem, or else you'll find yourself needing to build two totally distinct products, which is hard. 100 character landing pages. We've been talking about companies that have a product, but what if you're pre-product and want to test out if there's a wedge that you can use to get into a market? To do this, I love using the 100 character landing page. It is exactly what it sounds like. You've got 100 characters to pitch your wedge. There's no other content on the page, just a call to action that collects an email. There is no North Star messaging, no feature descriptions, just those 100 characters pitching as compelling as you can that wedge. This landing page needs to convert people. It needs to be so interesting that people would be crazy to say no. If your neck is bleeding, you don't turn down a Band-Aid. If you're cold emailing folks, put the 100-character pitch in there. Put it on LinkedIn. Get it out. A quick example. There are a bunch of generative AI writing tools coming out. Basically, they learn how you write and how other people write and spit out a bunch of writing that's apparently pretty good. The North Star value is interesting, but is there a wedge? No wedge, no North Star. To find out, I'd run some tests. Maybe this is for people who write content each day and the bleeding neck problem is coming up with ideas. The 100 character landing page might say, quote, you need jumping off points for content every day. We'll give you unlimited ideas so you can riff. Sign up here. Maybe it's writing a draft that they edit. Maybe it's something else. Testing these landing pages with 100 characters and no more will force you to be tight and get you real feedback on a specific wedge. Get these in front of customers through channels you know they're in. Do usability tests where you look over customers' shoulders while they look at the page and they tell you what they think. Filter through wedge issues until one clicks. A great wedge is one a customer feels completely crazy turning down. The best wedges are no-brainers. How to make it all work. This can all seem entirely overwhelming. How do you find a problem so painful companies would jump to have it solved, but no one's solving it already? The answer is customer segmentation. The tighter you get, the more likely the problem is overlooked by competitors because it isn't worth their time. Or it's something they used to have solved, but stopped when they grew. The bleeding neck is hard, but critical. It'll make your life easier. I know it's graphic, and that's a good thing. This is one thing that is worth remembering. Also, mom, sorry about the motorcycle in Costa Rica thing. 
Definitely never told you that one before. Whoops. This was the idea to start a podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job and want to figure out the former before you leave the latter, or if you're struggling figuring out your wedge, head to gettacklebox.com and apply. We'll get back to you in 72 hours and we can be working on your startup by the weekend. Have a great week.